Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Beautiful Minds. My name is Martin, I'm joined by my best mate and co-host Staz and our guest today is Luca Durbino. Luca, you're an award-winning illustrator and motion designer. Most recently you've worked on numerous covers for The Economist magazine covering the coronavirus pandemic around the world, American politics, the entertainment industry and many more. It's a pleasure to have you on, we can't wait to learn more about what you do and some of your amazing experiences. But first of all, welcome to Beautiful Minds, how are you? Uh, I'm good. I mean, I'm based in Milano, Italy. We've been quarantined for 50 days now. Wow. And so I'm lucky my work is about being quarantined all the time pretty much. <laughs> but so I thought I would have coped uh, much better. But I can tell after 50 days, it's, it's a bit of a struggle for me too. Yeah, 50 days. Yeah. Wow. Uh, anyway, yes, I've, I've literally uh, I met just a handful of my clients in in the years because everything is done by remote now thanks to the technology so luckily enough work is going on uh yeah as you said i'm contracted with the economist uh but i'm fully freelance so i'm in a very lucky situation uh nice. meaning i can work with anybody i don't have any uh exclusiveness with them but every week i work with them on their articles and in the past few years i've been lucky enough to do many covers for them so yeah they're probably my my main my main client and they're a super fine one <laughs> because you know like the uh, human uh, human rapport human relationship in a work of you know intellectual work is fundamental you know you're not yeah. painting walls or fixing yeah. cars so it's it's important to be polite in that case of too course. yeah also here there's uh, where the opinion is very important so there's no black and white so it's important to to stay focused on the project and leave yeah. your ego on the side which is not always easy yeah what well, one thing i was really wondering about uh you know creating illustrations like how how does one get into that so i i don't think there is a, a unique uh, answer to these questions i think the path is different for everyone uh, in my case, I've been studying industrial design, which is yeah. more about uh, doing projects for objects, obviously. Um, but then I understood that was not my path, and I did a small school uh, of illustration, um, a small master, a small master that was um, getting you in touch with uh, big clients, actually. So my yeah. first publication was on New York Times, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Wow. Um, and, but after that, it's been blank for a while. So a uh, lot of trying, a lot of efforts, but I it wasn't really getting anywhere. So actually, I, I went to New Zealand for a year doing a waiter, just <laughs> just enjoying because job wasn't, wasn't working very well. And yeah. then I did another course in motion design because I thought it was a better way to... Um, you know, find a job in a studio, in a creative studio, rather than just being an illustrator, which is usually a free yeah. figure. And um, while I was doing that, I received my first email from the from the Economist, which I didn't believe. I totally didn't believe it was true. I mean, <laughs> I thought it was, you know, like uh, find your Russian wife or uh, that's what <laughs> you find on, on the internet. And then I I I googled the name of of the girl that was writing me and she was actually working at the economist and wow. so i did that and afterwards i asked them and no they just say that they found me on on instagram 
so, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard to tell what the path could be. The, the best yeah. thing I can say is just do your stuff and put your stuff online. <laughs> That's that was back in 2016, wasn't it, for the Christmas edition of The Economist? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And what was, how long did it take? What was the time period between you starting the illustrations and getting that email? Maybe three years, something like that. Three years? Yeah. Okay. Luckily enough, in, in the meantime, I was working uh, for Repubblica, which is probably the main newspaper in Italy. And that was thanks to some competitions I did with the school I mentioned before. Uh, that wasn't going very well because they have a lot of ego. They put a lot of ego in the work. That it's like we are the big newspaper. You are nobody. They were like not paying or yeah. you know just you know treating you very very badly. Uh, but that gave me the possibility to to build a portfolio, which I mean you usually just go on some newspaper website, uh, get an article, and try to illustrate them. Luckily enough, I was doing that at a professional level, so I was actually working with a with a customer, with a client. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I was doing small jobs in the meantime, but now I my my main job I don't have the time to do anything else really, so it's going very well. So with your portfolio, what inspired you to go down that route? Because I know a lot of the stuff that you produce. And I'm not sure you mentioned earlier that it's a matter of opinion sometimes, but how much of that came from you and how much of it came from what was in demand at the time? Uh, it's, it's a matter of a market, you know, and I mean, it's all very instinctual on, on my behalf. I mean, I, don't, I didn't really pursue a certain path. It just, just happens. It, yeah. It's like you don't find style. You don't choose a style, you just find it working and working. And after you do hundreds of illustrations a year, you're, you, you, need to, you need to develop a style and, um, and a workflow that is fast yeah. and effective. And so I think it's a natural, natural development that, that comes out with working. So for example, in the background, I can see some sports jerseys. Um, and I know sports is big for illustrations as well. So how come you went down the more political and economic illustration route as opposed to sports, just for example? No, um, sports has been a big part of my life because been, I've been playing rugby for maybe 23 years. Amazing. What position? Uh, it's funny because I've been playing hooker in my young age and yeah. I've been playing scrum half oh, wow. when, I, when I came into the senior team <laughs> and, and then again some weight and got back into the scrum. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, actually, like doing posters for my rugby team games has been like my first steps into graphic okay. design. Wow. Okay. And and if you look at them, they're horrible. They're awful. But you know, it's even if I look at my work from one year ago, it's terrible to me because it means you're growing. So okay. I, I look at that as as a positive thing. Definitely. Um, what was the question? Yeah, so, the sport and political. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, actually, growing up, um, I always been reading newspapers with my parents, and always been that you know I don't know if you have the same thing in England, but the political uh, cartoon in the in the front page of on the first page of the of the newspaper, 
and which is usually not an illustration, it's a comic, you know, with balloons and text. Uh, but I, I've been always passionate about that. I, I always found them really funny. I always find it super smart. And I think it's yeah. something that's always been into me. So I think but, it was a natural. But Milan as a city is a natural hub for comics and illustration. You look at Bonelli comics and you look at the types of characters they produce. I mean, Tex Villa, Zagor, Tene, all these different characters. I mean, I went to the memorabilia shop there in Milan. Oh, nice. so I'm not sure if that influenced it as well. Um, yeah, regarding influence, everything influences. I mean, yeah. uh, you might see something today and you probably use it in an illustration 10 years from now. Okay. You really, it's, that's the point with lateral thinking. I mean, you never know uh, what the combination can be into an image. So, yeah, I was reading a lot of comics growing up. My brother was a real otaku. <laughs> I was reading a lot of Japanese comics and uh, yeah that was it was it was a big part of my growing and you know in the 80s 90s uh, all the animes and all those sort of uh, cartoons yeah they played a big part in Definitely. <laughs> developing you know a, a visual a visual culture that's the point do you see yourself ever collaborating with the japanese or asian anime scene or do you see yourself sticking mainly now to the political and economic illustration route uh i honestly don't close myself any door okay, i mean yeah. um, doing po politics and economical can be uh, hard at times um, i often find myself uh wishing i do something different sometime but when you actually do it's even harder i mean when you get to illustrate i don't know a, a poetry or a, a book cover it's it's a totally different task uh, which i enjoy because again it's it's good to to do different things and to keep your mind fresh uh, but at the same time it's i don't know how to say that in english sorry <laughs> it's a matter of getting used to the job you know it's of course. so you said um the you know the political theme is a bit harder why why do you think it's harder first of all like there are some visual cues that are finishing after a while. I mean, especially in economics, when you when you draw on all the piggy banks and you draw on all the coins and you draw on all the graphs with a red line going up or going down, the visual repertoire it's finished. So after yeah. a while, it's difficult to come up with something new every week. I see. Okay. And also in political, it's it's important to not to offend anyone. <laughs> Yeah, because have you ever... images are very powerful, but they can be very offensive, way more than 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 a book or a text. Um, for example, yeah. a, a swastika pisses you off way faster than uh, a copy of the Mein Kampf. I don't know how many people actually read the Mein Kampf, but a swastika it's immediately uh, triggering. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you ever saw that image on Google. Um, there's an image that triggers everyone. So it's actually like a rainbow flag uh, with a pig, with a star of David, with a swastika, with a, everything together. So <laughs> anyone can be offended. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a very delicate subject. And yeah. yeah. And have, <laughs> have there been any times where, where you got it slightly wrong, where, you know, 
okay, you, you've sent something and someone was offended. Uh, sorry, you're asking if someone actually got offended? Yeah, yeah. All the, you... all the time, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, Part of the club, right? Yeah, The Economist is um, an anonymous newspaper. That means yeah. uh, nobody signs the articles and nobody signs the images. My name is it's nowhere on the magazine. Apart okay. from web, on web there's my name small on the corner of the image. Um, but in the um, in the past months, they started tagging me on the Instagram posts, so That's people, so around, yeah, yeah, on, on social on social media can see uh, who actually do the images, and that brought a lot of people to direct message me with death threats, insults. I got phone calls from China, um, like. Uh, threatening my mom, saying they're going to kill my mom or stuff like that. Um, oh so, yeah, but also sometimes it's um, really, really exaggerated. I mean, some people is very, very sensible. Uh, like um, I was doing an article about the influences of uh, Russia in, um, in Africa. You know, it's mm. in, this, in this time and age, all the, all the big powers that are trying to gain hegemony on, on Africa. So I was, I did like a, a small black line at the bottom with like some African trees and some giraffes, like very stylized. And the sky was in the colors of the Russian flag. So something very, very innocent. Yeah. And I got people texting me that, that that was offensive towards their flag. And yeah, that I could have been arrested in Russia. They could have killed me or whatever. So wow. yeah, that's, that's the beauty of social media, I can imagine. How'd you take that in? Oh, but actually I did some screenshots and I sent them to the art directors at The Economist and we had a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I still laugh about it. I hope nobody actually show up at my door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but wow. Also now I've, I was, I've been doing an article about the Ayatollahs in Iran. Yeah. I'm making... Um, they're giving some very bad advice against COVID, like putting some yeah, yeah. from the oil in your ears or in your anus. And so the image was like um, a tiny ayatollah with a flower trying to fight like the Grim Reaper. <laughs> yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, and I, got, and I got many, many messages of, you know, people saying that it was offensive to Islam and uh, wow. Khamenei didn't say that and whatever actually when they don't say they're going to kill my mom i try to uh have a discussion with them you know okay also yeah. also oh, i okay. like I, i'm doing an image for an article uh which is might be not might not be my opinion you know i'm not writing the article i'm just representing the article of course yeah i was going to ask how much of it is your opinion and how much is it the brief that comes in from the economist to say we need something like this and you just have to do the rest um, well um, on the covers it, it happens often that uh, they come to me with a sketch they say okay. you want this like like the latest one you saw probably is like a dictator pointing at you saying your country needs you okay they, they just send me a, a rough sketch of that and they just did the visual mm. it's because the cover sometimes is is a more sensitive image so it must be signed off by the editor and everybody must be yeah yeah agree upon it so they probably had many meetings before getting in touch with me and that's how it works but on the on the inside image 99 percent of the time it's my idea so they send me the full article and they come up with something that represents it 
wow. but the article it's written by them, not by me. So if of they course, say yeah. Donald Trump is a fool, and I have to to draw Donald Trump as a fool, my opinion is that Donald Trump is a fool. But that's not my opinion. That's in the article. Of course, okay. If you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm lucky because the Economist it's a very balanced newspaper. It's, yeah. It's you know, very factually based, right? It's um, exactly. Yeah, I mean, they're 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 accused all the time of being biased, but, but <clears throat> you know, it's very institutional. It's very they they tend not to take part. So yeah, I've been reading them since like two thousand and nine. I remember the school that me and Staz went to. We we had a subscription program there where you pay one pound a month, and the students would have unlimited access to the Economist. And I remember that was a pretty big thing at the time because it was, I wouldn't say it was a premium brand, but it was definitely up there, you know, with the Financial Times uh, in terms of rankings for universities, for the different things that they used to endorse. So the, the marketing and the imagery was very consistent and it had that feel to it. You know, you could definitely see like, okay, if that, there's a cartoon, you don't necessarily need the economist at the top. You know that cartoon or the, the image illustration is by the economist because it has a certain style to it you know um so yeah. i thought that was always quite powerful yeah the, the, first of all my opinion is that um that's the future of uh magazines mm. I and mean, uh, if you talk about news and instant news uh you cannot beat the internet okay so newspapers in the morning um they're actually telling you the news you already read Yesterday. the night before on the yeah. internet Okay, so that's there's no competition there. But w where the competition is um, is the um, approfondimento. I don't know how to say that in English. Uh, going into depth of, of the of the topics. Okay. So like uh, the quality of the journalism. Exactly. Yeah. If, if you if you focus on that, you have a future as a magazine. Otherwise, there's, the internet will win. Of course. Hundred to zero. And. Yeah, every article of them uh, usually tells you uh, the two point of views, so that they're not take part. So, yeah, also my images that they're not saying the ayatollahs are bad or um, you know Islam is within context. It's within that specific context of the coronavirus and what they said being factually misleading, and you're just representing that in an illustration based on the article. It's not to do with your general opinion, right? It's, it's very, it's a frame shot in that moment in time. Like the task of my image is probably when you're flipping through the pages to make yeah. you stop and make you understand immediately what the article is about. Yeah. Faster than the title. Yeah. And maybe make it more jolly because it's not always funny to talk about politics and economics. Yeah, yeah it's quite powerful in that sense. Yeah. yeah, I know nothing about economics. <laughs> Zero. I mean, I learned, I learned something working with them. But it's it's not needed because the uh, the public it's not the audience is not of economists it's also regular people maybe with a high level of instruction yeah they explain things very very easily even very complicated things so for me as well <laughs> um, to understand an article you know it's if I can understand it anyone can that's that's yeah. what what's been your favorite topic that you've covered with illustrations. I don't know if I have favorite ones. I I have recurrent ones, like I've been drawing tens of Donald Trumps, <laughs> ma ma many Theresa May, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean now COVID, 
I, I cannot send it anymore. <laughs> uh, because also it's, it's very rare that, um, it's very unusual that all the illustrators in the world are working on the same topic for two months because that's what's happening. I mean, every magazine is focused on that and everybody's doing drawings about, about, about that. So um, what happens is when I do an illustration, I give them three, four choices. So I get the article, I do some sketches and they choose one. So if you wait a couple of days, you're gonna see somebody else doing my sketch that have been uh, rejected. Because I mean, the ideas are there. They're not, they're not infinite if you know what I mean. So I've seen the COVID, anything circular has been transformed into a COVID, like a, a bowling ball, baseball, a wrecking ball, uh, glasses, anything, you know? And in terms of the isolation period, do you feel that it's actually improved your uh, illustrations or do you feel it's the same? How, how, how do you feel about it? So far, all good. <laughs> Um, the fact is, I don't have to come up with excuses with excuses with friends not to go out for a beer because I can just stay home and work all night. <laughs> um, it actually helps you to stay focused. But yeah. at, the same, at the same time, working outside is very helpful for thinking. Hmm. So, uh, like my timetable is super strict. So I get the article at midday and everything goes on the page at midnight, maybe two or three images. So what I usually do is I read the article and actually go for a coffee, go for a walk. That helps you thinking. It's a bit constructive to be at home all the time. Yeah. Also, it's, you gather information when you go around. Um, if, you, if you travel, as I mentioned before, you never know where inspiration comes from. So you need to store a lot of information and a lot of pairing of concepts uh, without any reason that we make sense in the future. So probably this period is going to be detrimental to my work in the future, maybe, because I didn't, I didn't gather information from the external world oh, for okay. two months. I mean, I don't think it's going to be too bad. No, 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 yeah. <laughs> also, I've got friends that lost their job because they had regular jobs. So I'm, I'm lucky I'm not complaining at all. In that way, it could be detrimental to me. Okay. So you're saying that you have kind of like a daily routine where you gather inspiration and you have a moment where your moments in the day where you can gather these ideas, but now because of COVID, perhaps that's been disrupted a bit. So it's not affecting you now, but maybe in five years time, as you said, these ideas travel over time and you can pair them with other yeah, things. I think, okay. I think it could be a problem if it lasts okay. for, for yeah. a year, for two years. I hope not. No, it won't, no. Uh, yeah, I don't really have a routine in where I set a time to gather information. You, you do that all the time. Okay. That's, I mean, when you lay in bed at night, you think about work, it's, 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 the, it's the good and the bad thing of doing something you love. Yeah. You're actually working all the time. Even, even if you're staring out of the window, you're thinking about some associations. Do you have any exercises to increase creativity or to get your mind thinking in a more creative way? Uh, not really. I think creativity is a job. I think um, it's a lot of trial and error. So um, when you study communication, uh, you study all the, um, you know, brainstorming and all those techniques of putting your ideas out. Uh, so my problem is you usually do that in a room full of people. Everybody says their idea and you have some time. 
I don't have the time, I don't have the people. So I'm alone doing a brainstorming in myself in an hour. In an hour time, I need to send out the, the rough images. So uh, it's a lot of being able to uh, put out all the bad ideas that comes to you. Uh, you, you shouldn't be afraid to, to sketch a stupid idea and then maybe you sketch 20 and in between you're gonna find three that are working yeah and in those three there's one that is correct okay so i could reassume that in not being afraid to do mistakes yeah that's true in um, in doing a work but also in 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 a lifespan as i told you my works were very very bad two years ago three years ago maybe when i started five years ago that means i wasn't afraid to do something ugly yeah yeah <laughs> You need to do that. You need to go through the judgment about that. You need to judge it yourself. So do something ugly, have a look at it the next day and try to do something better. That's, that's the only way to get better. I mean, you say it's bad, but for example, now we're in 2020. And if you go back to 2015 and you see your work, I mean, it's, it's bad. Well, it's not bad, but maybe you think it's bad relatively compared to now, but at the time that was the best you could do. And it's like a muscle you train, right? It's like, the more you do it, the better you get and the better quality work you can put on that uh, brainstorming board. So Absolutely, because yeah. it's also a matter of confidence. Yeah, you need to train yourself to, uh, to be at ease in, in creating and, and doing mistakes, because I do mistakes all the time. It happens that you send out sketches and you say, nah, these are not working. And I mean, you're really under pressure because you, you know the ideas you had are wrong, you have an hour to come up with something different and you know if you don't you're you're gonna lose your job and your life is going to be a fail but uh, <laughs> uh yeah this it's it's also man, a matter of managing stress i mean when you're drawing you need to do a straight line without your hand shaking but you have a deadline that is very strict yeah so it's <laughs> yeah also that affects your style because you need to do something that looks beautiful with a lot of details that people can enjoy, but also you need to, to get the job done. So you need to find something in between, you know, classical art painting and super flat vector images. Uh, I mean, that's the way I find myself in the years. I yeah. It's clear. <laughs> so how do you find, you know, you know, that pressure you have, you've got to say an hour until the deadline and you're sitting there and drawing, you know, you have to draw the straight line. How do you find the pressure, say now, compared to two years ago? Do you feel you're better able to cope with it now? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you get used to it. So like the process with The Economist at the beginning was uh, they were giving me a week to do an image. Okay. And then they started giving me um, some images to do over the summer because I had some articles that were, they were already planned. They were already done, already written. So I had a lot of time to do that. And then they started giving me four days, three days. And then one day they gave me an article and they said, uh, we need it by tonight. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, it's crazy. I'm never going to do that. But then the, they started to do that every week. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, so maybe this is the normal way they work. And when I talked with them after a couple of years, they told me, uh, because I came to London and I met them actually a couple of times, nice. and they told me, uh, yes, we were just testing you and we were putting you under pressure a bit more and a bit more. And so now for me, it's normal. And I do maybe three images in, 
in an afternoon. Wow. Uh, yeah. But university helped me a lot with that because I was a very bad student. <laughs> so working at night, uh, the day before, it's, yeah, it's been a good training. Mm. Yeah, you work into the night, don't you, sometimes, early hours of the morning? Um, on, like in, on a regular basis, no. I okay. usually, yeah, I mean, the deadline is midnight UK time, so it's uh, 1 a.m. for me. Um, on Wednesday, that's my usual time schedule. Uh, but when I work on covers, I mean, for, for me, it's like putting myself in front of everyone. So if I need to work at night, I will do that. <laughs> I just no, nobody forces me. Of course. I mean, when you get an email seven seven p.m. saying, "Oh, we need to see some steps tomorrow morning," it's implied that you're gonna work at night. Um, but yeah, I mean, anything that's needed. Yeah. So, would you advise up and coming illustrators like the next Lucas, for example? Would you advise that they? explore and make more mistakes now when they're young and uh, to experiment as much as possible what would you what would be your advice to them yeah i mean try i know it, it's not a straight line i don't think it is for anyone it wasn't for me and it's not going to be for them so yeah the mistakes you make you make today the lessons for the future but also like um you have many doubts when you start. Um, you don't know uh, how to be in the business, how, how much uh, money to ask for your job. You know, you're very afraid to get in touch with art directors of big newspapers. While my advice is to be bold, you, you never know. I mean, again, if I, if I look back now at the works I was doing the first time I, I did the work for The Economist, for me, they're terrible. I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah. But at the same time, they, they believed in that, so you never know. Interesting. So, should we do some word associations? Yep. All right, this time I'll start. I haven't prepared these, by the way, so these are literally what I'm thinking right now. So we'll do five each. All right, let's go. Uh, UK. Uh, Boris Johnson. Sun. Italy. Coronavirus. Uh, crisis. Illustrations. Whatever. Honey. Bees. Okay. Art. Renaissance. Sport. Rugby, totally. Quality. Uh, commitment. Economics. The Economist. Success. Commitment again. Nice. Very nice. Cool. When you walk into a room, Luca, and then you leave, what do you want people to think of you? Like the first three things that come to their head, for example. Mm, that I'm talkative. Mm -hmm. That I'm creative, which is not something you think about me when you see me. <laughs> you usually now I, I quit playing rugby, but that's the first thing people things about me. Oh, you're a rugby player. Okay. That's what I thought about you. <laughs> so you don't usually associate me with artists. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. That I'm available. Yeah. Because, I mean, it, I think it's important to create a network. I mean, when you go to, to some gatherings of artists and 
I don't know, or maybe there's people writing to me on the internet all the time asking me advice or which really makes me feel humbled. And I try to be as much as available as I can. Because when I started, I, I really appreciated people that was giving help. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier that when people, sometimes they're angry, but they're coming at you from an intellectual angle to maybe strike a debate or a civilized argument, let's say, and you sometimes reply and you, you go deep with them. Can you tell us a bit more about that? How's that been for you? Um, the fact is, I'm illustrating uh, subjects which I don't know pretty much anything about. Let's go back to that okay. Iran illustration. Yeah, I've never been to Iran. Yeah. I never been to Iran and uh, so I, I got a person texting me that uh, that was the wrong flower, that the flower that uh, the Ayatollah was speaking about has a different shape. Uh-huh. And actually it was, it was my bad because I, I, I had no time to make a research and it just drew a nice flower. So there's always something to learn about it. Of course. Yeah, I mean, I look at that in a very egoistic way. Because <laughs> in the end, you, you learn a lesson. And has there ever been any times where it's been a face-to-face discussion? Maybe there's someone in Italy that's said something to you, or maybe in London when you came, or has it always been over um, sorry, Instagram or social media? Nah, not really. Not oh, really. Okay. There's been a very curious uh, time, because I never did an article about Italy. Oh, wow, okay. Only once. Uh, one of my first covers, it was an ice cream with with three ice balls. Ice but what about the one on the beach? It was about Italian beaches and you had uh, three different towels. The... No, that was, that was for Repubblica. Yeah, I'm, I'm speaking about The Economist. Oh, okay. Just, okay cool. Some articles okay. about Italy from Italian newspapers. Oh, okay. uh, but regarding The Economist, um, the only one I did was this cover with an ice cream. Uh-huh. And, and the ice cream was made of three bowls. One was green, one was white, one was red. Super cliche, obviously. Yeah. It was their idea, not my idea. <laughs> and and all of all of each each bowl had a fuse, like a like a bomb. Because it was the time uh, Italian economies economics was in crisis as usual, and um, it was pretty funny because um, that was very very spoken about in Italy. It, that image went on every television, every TV show that was speaking with my image in the back and nobody knew that was made from by an Italian illustrator. Which now I understand the value of privacy. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm yeah. happy nobody, nobody knew. <laughs> yeah, especially in Italy, they can get quite sensitive about politics. We like having an argument. Yeah, <laughs> totally. What would you say has been your, your biggest success? I respond in a general way. So the biggest success is, is I've been able to build a career upon something everybody thinks as very light or not saying stupid, you know, just jolly drawings, you know, <laughs> something funny. But uh, now I heard more than that people that, that was making fun of me. Yeah. So you so basically you've built a career from something that's actually a hobby for you, something that you really enjoy. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Which means you take everything much more personal. Yeah. You you don't divide anything from personal to job. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a, that's a really good way to be, isn't it? Because you don't see it as like really hard work. You look forward to it. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you get very stressed. <laughs> Because yeah. no, the, the fact is, you cannot put yourself a limit because you say that's the downside of it. Uh, mm. 
because you, you're not able to, to separate the two things. Yeah, it's also as a freelance, uh, it's very, you don't have a timetable, you don't have a boss, uh, you don't have rights, but that's different. Um, but that's, that's the fact. I mean, you, you tend to, to take everything very, very personal. So if you, if you get rejected by an editor or if a job goes badly, uh, it's not something like, oh, okay, my boss will deal with it. It's like you take it very personal. So it's very good when things go well. <laughs> it's very bad when things go bad. Yeah. But it, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't work for anyone else. It's, yeah. I, I've been working in a studio for six months for some guys that were amazing it was a very good studio it was very fun but nah i mean if if you have to commit yourself a lot to something um, i'd i'd love to make it for my career and not for something i don't care about yeah awful and on that subject so the opposite of that what would you say has been um a failure your biggest failure so to say uh it's it's hard to say because obviously when you fail it looks like a failure but that in the long run it's it's a lesson yeah so yeah. Uh, i don't You're know like i was i was working with uh, republica yeah i told you and they they actually dumped me after after a couple of years they like they stopped answering my emails and they they stopped paying my works and it was very bad from them but actually i was young and i was feeling like i was um i was in the bad position i was doing something wrong and yeah that was a bad moment in my career mm. but yeah in in the long term after that everybody seems so polite and so available compared to them so i'm happy i lived that experience <laughs> yeah you came out stronger that's good and what would you say scares you the most so let, let's talk about work and not like life scares like that or stuff like that um yeah i mean at the beginning i was scared i would have never make it i would have never made it as an illustrator and now that i kind of made it i'm afraid of losing it so that's but that's what pushes you to to do better to every week to uh, to deliver the goods to be consistent and to grow yeah because you know if you don't keep the quality up there are so many people out there that are doing an excellent job and that are willing to i mean it's a competitive market yeah so yeah that's that's probably my biggest fear so far Trying, but I'm trying to do my best too. And you mentioned that you're networking a lot, so perhaps you know, even in terms of connections and contacts, you you have a lot, and you know, you're learning from other people, and you're you know, you're taking the right measures to to stay on top of it, not to get too complacent. Yeah, you you try to. Uh, I mean, as I told you, it's a very hermit job. I mean, some people gather in studios to work together, but I work totally alone. And even if you're in a studio, you, you tend to put your earphones up and close yourself in your bubble. And because that's, that's what's needed. It's not just that we like it. So there are some occasions like uh, expositions or like um, out of production markets, occasions of gathering that I think are very important to, uh, to meet the people you admire on the Instagram. And, you know, it's, it's great to, 
uh, to exchange the views ab about the industry and yeah i think it's important i mean like illustration it's it's a job where you take the whole project from the beginning from the beginning to the finish so i do everything myself but like if i do some motion graphics as well and at least there are two persons there usually so maybe you're doing the animation and someone else is doing the someone else is doing the graphics or the opposite. So the bigger the project, the, the more professionals are involved. So it's, it's very important to be in touch with, the, with other people in the industry. Yeah. yeah. So other than rugby, what else would we be surprised to learn about you? Ah, difficult question. <laughs> Maybe any unusual hobbies, <laughs> any particular taste in music or films? No. I, I, I listen to some very weird music. That's true. I listen yeah. to, you should Google this. I, I listen to a band from, from the 70s, 80s in Italy called the CCCP. It means okay. the CCCP, like the, the, like the Soviet Union. Um, oh, okay. okay. But they're not Sovietic. I mean, it's some parodistic, uh, punk, weird, uh, Super, super weird. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's even weirder for you if you if you don't speak Italian <laughs> because they speak Italian. But it, it's it's very weird music, very fucked up. Um, and I I love cooking, like any like any Italian. And um, I don't know if you know the page Italians Mad at Food. Italians made of food. Mad at food. Mad at food. Oh, okay. I'll check it out. Yeah. Um, so that's my kind of attitude towards food on the internet. <laughs> I, I get involved in arguments all the time. I was involved with, um, with a chef from the Bath Rugby uh, stuff. He was posting a recipe for carbonara and I started arguing with him because he was putting any sort of shit in it. <laughs> and I made, him feel, I made him feel so bad that at the end he said, please remove your comments and when you come to Bath, I'll give you free tickets to the games. And, and stuff oh, wow. yeah, yeah I'm a <laughs> bit of a Nazi about that <laughs> sorry <laughs> so I asked you a question what do you put in carbonara what are what's the ingredients Martin take it away <laughs> you've done some cooking classes recently so yeah well, I haven't it. made any carbonara yeah um it includes like a, a meat right like a pork based meat maybe like a ham mm -hmm. or a sausage and it has uh like a, a cheesy like a creamy sauce yeah, you're good. Good path. <laughs> good, good answer. because no, I've been lucky to travel quite a lot. Nice. And um, that's something I always ask to people: how they make carbonara, because some because carbonara is just eggs, parmesan, not parmesan, pecorino, so uh -huh. hard cheese, and guanciale, which is actually bacon made from the cheek uh -huh. of the pork. It's yeah. some very very fatty. And um, and pepper. That's it. That's yeah. nothing else in it. So and I hear people saying cream and um, asparagus, mushrooms, no, 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 butter, garlic, whatever. Yeah. And but the fact is, in Italy, food is not just food. I mean, we spend most of the time cooking, and while you're eating, you speak about food and where the food comes from and how you do that recipe. And it's difficult to understand probably for a foreigner, <laughs> but it's very important here. Yeah, I've been to Milan. I can see they take it very seriously. 
Um, I've even been to the Chinatown in Milan. And yeah, the fusion um, between Italian and Chinese food there is so strong. I love it. Yeah, you have a big Chinatown in London too, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there is, um, there is a small shop in, in Chinatown here that makes uh, ravioli, uh, dumplings. I know, dumplings. I know. The, the owner of that went to Bocconi, didn't he? Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they don't have any tables. They just sell it's on just, the street. Yeah, yeah, you go and order it at the, at the thing, yeah, yeah. And it's awesome because, I mean, people here is, um, is in love with Chinese cuisine and culture but they're a little bit concerned about the origin of the, of the meat and the products. And so they, they do Chinese, Chinese cooking, but they certi with certified 100% um, zero kilometer products. Okay. So it's going, it's going very well, it's a big success. I mean, it was before the lockdown. Yeah, I think it's crossed it all returns to normal. I remember that was really buzzing streets and it was really nice. Have you been there, Seth? I haven't been to Milan, no. Have you not? Okay. Have you been in Italy? I've been to Rome. Ah, oh, beautiful. Yeah, no, I actually, when I was younger, I've been to Venice as well. Yeah. Was it busy? Yeah. Very busy? I can't remember now because I was so young. I don't remember very much from the trip, actually. Yeah. yeah I've been to uh, Venice a few times and it's really busy, yeah. I think the hidden secret there is Padova, which I went to visit uh, the last time I was in, no, the second last time I was in Italy. And it's like a really small town, like a student town next to Venice. And it's a really well-kept secret. Very authentic, not very busy. Yeah. I like it. I yeah. agree with you. Yeah. They drink a lot there. Yeah. <laughs> it's a student <laughs> city. They, they yeah, love to go. Yeah. <laughs> so and, uh, do you see yourself living in London in the future? Do you feel that this is... Uh, don't be offended, but clients? no. <laughs> okay. yeah, I don't know. I've, I've only been to London twice. And I must be honest, the second time I enjoyed it much more, probably because it was sunny. I'd rather live in New York. Yeah, Stas likes New York. Yeah, I've been there quite recently. Very, very nice city. It's like, it's like, it's like a bigger London. It's like a, a magnified version of London, I feel. It's, it's full on. It's incredible how everything is, is so packed of things. The, the thing I like of London is it keeps um, a side of like a small town. I mean, it's, it's a huge city, obviously, but some neighborhoods, you know, they're all built around the park and with, with the lovely small houses. It's, yeah. yeah, that's something in between. I'd like to move from Milano. <laughs> yeah. No, I liked it too. I think the lifestyle there is very relaxed and very nice. I think, you know, we look at old people, they look very healthy, still full of life. I don't think there's many places left in Europe that, that have that. Yeah, people in Italy consider Milan a very stressful city where everybody, everyone is running and <laughs> everyone is very busy. And yeah, nobody likes us actually. <laughs> but um, yeah, one, one of my dreams has been uh, to travel and working because that's actually with a lot of organization, obviously, um, that's something I can do. I, nobody cares if I'm in Milano or if I'm in Bangkok. While I'm working yeah so uh, yeah when I was I was in New York for um, because I won a prize in a competition very luckily and when I was there I've been there for a week and I did my my job for the economist as usual but instead of instead of sending the the, the work out at midnight I was sending it out at midday okay so it's time constraints are very important in my job and that must be taken account in 
Yeah, I think the term digital nomad is becoming a buzzword now. A lot of people are trying to have that uh, continuous stream of income and business while they're on the move, managing things remotely. So, yeah, I think illustration is something which, I guess, ticks those boxes that qualifies for that digital nomad role. But, for yeah, example, exactly. status as a doctor, I don't think you could do that in every country, could you? No, I guess you could, for example, go to uh, Bali tomorrow or once the coronavirus uh, outbreak is finished and you can just work from there, say, for two weeks. You don't have to take, like, two weeks off. You can just work from there if you wanted to, right? Yeah, we go back to the fact that um, doing what you love, it's good, but it's got some downsides as well because, I mean, you're never on holiday. <laughs> yeah. But it's, um, no, actually, I, I take my time off when I want, so... Pretty much every year, I take a month, which is very good. Um, but yes, it's mm, like last summer, I spent three weeks on the seaside with my computer. And yeah, I was working from there and <laughs> it was lovely. But obviously working in a studio where you have all your big tablets and I mean, you have the space to do what you want. It's, I mean, you can work around, you can work from Starbucks if you want, but it's not comparable to you know, to have your own environment where everything is at end. Um, but yeah, but I, I might take a period when, when I travel. There, there's an amazing illustrator called Maggots from Spain. And he actually spends six months in every different city. I think he's in Helsinki now, but he was in Australia and he was in the States. And yeah, that's, I think that, that'd be great. But it takes a lot of organization, you know, it's... yeah you need to be disciplined get your house sorted your permit sorted your documents everything all the time changing i'm getting older <laughs> yeah definitely and i think also there's an aspect towards what you just mentioned having all your equipment there and that has a direct impact on the quality of work so the, th the thing is if you're traveling for six nine months is the quality of your work going to increase at the same pace as though you were still at home with your tablets because if it's not then that's when like you mentioned, there's competition out there fighting for a job like yours. And, you know, if, if the economists feel that maybe there are shortcuts being taken or it may not be for you, it might be someone who does a different digital nomad role. Uh, and I think that's where discipline comes in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you also need to find a balance between uh, job and pleasure. Yeah, yeah it's difficult. Because, you know, I, I, I started drawing because I didn't want to work and now I work all the time, so yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's, that's a bit odd. Um, so, um, yeah, sometime I think maybe I'll take one, one year sabbatic and not work for a year, just travel yeah. around. But I'm sure my position won't be there when I go back. So uh, at the moment, it's, it's working well. So um, I've, I've been, last year I've been traveling quite a lot. I, I went to Paris, I went to Berlin and with my computer and yeah that's good with my computer so also it was very nice last year i i came to london and and i did my job from the economist so i i i went to this to their office and i worked from there and yeah it was fun instead of sending an email i was printing out the, the drawings and showing them yeah and yeah it's also it's also nice to to have a, a human contact yeah, with your client, good. to understand them a bit better. Because also, like, I never worked 
in a newspaper. I've been watching movies, but I don't know how a <laughs> newspaper actually works. So it's great to, to go there and see the process, see all the discussions, <clears throat> all the people going from one office to the other with papers and yeah, getting things done. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting and it's also helpful for, for what I do. Uh, like now I know that when you work on a cover, that's, everyone is saying their opinion about it. Even the, the cleaning guy, <laughs> probably <laughs> when he walks past, they say, oh, nice, or maybe he doesn't like it, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. For example, sometimes on the covers they they carry on two or different options in the same time. So if if you if you carry on your work as much as you can in the first day, you have a good chance that the editor will like it. Maybe you just send a rough image and they don't have the imagination to see that on the page. While when you start putting color and and details, uh, you know that takes part in their decision process. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? No, I think you're like doing a really good job. I think your illustrations are fantastic. Uh, I've got a few friends who who work as freelancers in politics and journalism, and I've sent them over like your illustration. I said, look at this guy. We're gonna have him on the podcast, and they will. One of the questions they asked me actually was to ask you if if you do a lot of reading, like if you read a lot about politics, and if you have any inspirations in terms of journalism specifically. I I try to to stay updated. Uh, in particular, Italian politics is it's yeah. very fun. It's probably not understandable <laughs> from abroad because it's it's crazy. It's a circus, and it's the same everywhere I know. But in Italy, it's particular. Um, yeah, so I try to stay up to date. But that's not because of my work. I I honestly enjoy that. Enjoy, I like yeah. to, I like to be informed and to take part and. Um, that's also helpful in, in my job. So. Amazing. That's good. Yeah, super useful. One, one uh, journalist I'd recommend, he's English. His name is Tim Marshall. Okay. And he's written some really good books, in my opinion. Uh, one's called Prisoners of Geography. And I think because obviously, I'm not sure if you'd see the connection, but you know, with illustrations and maps and the way he connects the kind of borders and how they're shaped. And then he goes deep and says what the physical geography of that um, means for making those borders so it's uh, about history as well yeah yeah it, it goes very deep and it has one about flags and I think this will interest you because each flag has its own design and they use specific shapes and colors to signify certain things and he literally writes a book it's not very long he somehow managed to keep it condensed and uh, succinct and he he really goes and talks about things like Tur Turkmenistan and how they have different uh, symbols on their flag and you would never think like they would go through so much I don't know, thought process just to put these little details to indicate certain parts of their history, like a tapestry or, or different sequences. You know, for example, Mozambique has an AK-47 on it. Um, yeah, I was reading an article about crazy. all the countries in the world that are showing uh, weapons on their flag. Yeah. And just, yeah, maybe Mozambique, uh, Saudi Arabia with his words and Sri Lanka. There may be three or four, not many. Yeah. So as an, as an illustrator, you might see that as, um, like, again, connecting dots and a fountain of inspiration. Yeah, I didn't know that. Thank you yeah. so much. <laughs> I read it, for sure. Cool. So, man, it was a really good chat. Like, I learned a lot. I'm not sure about you, Staz. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah, well, there's, there's a lot about illustration I didn't know, and now I do. And 
Definitely, I mean, if I have any friends that want to go into illustration, I know who to put them in touch with. Yeah, send them, send them my way. Sure. <laughs> we'll send them straight to Milan. <laughs> yeah, one thing I'd love to do in the future is some teaching, you know, some, some workshops, some, something like that. It's good to, to stay human somehow. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and give out something that, that you learned. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, universities and stuff, they, they only go so far as to teach maybe some of the textbook and concepts. I'm not sure how much that can actually propel you forward in the real world. But certainly when you have someone who's been there and done it, I think that really takes it to another level. Yeah, the fact is, you know, when you study communication design or that's, that sort of stuff, um, you study how to prepare a campaign so there's a lot of setting before, you know, you work a lot, a lot of thinking uh, over a long, long time, you know, like projectuality. I don't know if you get the word. While my work is more like craftsmanship. So you, are, you can only learn that doing it. There's no other way. Yeah. And it, it's good to know the theory. It's important. Like when I was doing university, we were 300 people in a room. And so it was a very generic learning about theory but then the school i did in illustration we were 10 and that's so important you know to to have a small environment with someone following you and making you do all the mistakes you have to do <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah no man uh, i wish you all the best i hope you manage to find that balance between seeing the world when this is all over and still delivering high quality illustrations because i think you know clearly talented, creative, got good energy. And I hope you can be a mentor to many illustrators to come. Thank you so much for having me. And I see you in London when of we course, can. <laughs> yeah, you message me and we'll, we'll go and try some London pizza. <laughs> yeah, no, my God. <laughs> I cook for you. <laughs> Thanks. No Take it easy, Luca. Yeah, cheers. Okay.